Hello, this is Revel, and you are listening to Revelations, celebrating your potential. My guest today is tower racer, marathoner, and all-around raw athlete, Tim Van Orden. Hi, Tim. How are you doing, Revel? I'm fantastic. Thank you for joining us so early in the morning. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Have you got out for a run yet? Not yet. Did one uh, late last night, so uh, taking the morning off. Excellent. Uh, let, let's start. Let's go back because I don't know how many people know you. Um, you're kind of new to me. The name's been around for a while, but I had I really didn't know who you were. So this is another get to know you interview. And <clears throat> I know a lot of people in are raw and want to be athletes, or a lot of people would like are athletes and would like to be raw. And they think that they, if they go raw, they're going to be weak and tired and faint and stuff like that. I know better, but. <laughs> <laughs> so as a child, what was your food program like? Were you, were you, did you grow up with a regular sad food program? Well, I don't know if I had a food program other than the, uh, the four food groups that, you know, the uh, public school system kind of forced on us. Um, fortunately, I was uh, lucky enough to grow up in Vermont on a, a small organic farm with my parents who um, were really conscious about making sure that we had a lot of, you know, homegrown vegetables and whatnot. Oh, so you started out as a vegetable person. Well, you know, I never really enjoyed them or liked them or even wanted to eat them. You know, <laughs> as my mother tried, <laughs> she was never very successful at it. I was the opposite. I didn't like the meat. Uh, no kidding. Yeah, and I, I grew up in Connecticut. And uh, so it was... Uh, a thing for me, I was a salad eater. If there was any salad left, I'd eat it. But of course, it was head lettuce. It wasn't oh, very wow. nutritious. Yeah. Uh, so, being in Vermont, what did you all do for food, for uh, vegetables and stuff in the winter? Well, you uh, generally, uh, you know, go to the store. And even back then, in the you know seventies, you could still get quite a variety of stuff. I mean, the supermarket had been invented and, uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, a good invention or not, I'm still not sure. You know, there was always plenty of stuff. And there's lots of, you know, soups and root vegetables and that kind of stuff that were pretty common uh-huh. back in the day. But mostly it was uh, processed, packaged carbohydrates. Yes. You know, cereals, crackers, cookies, pastas, things like that. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I ended up because I think it was a brand new thing for my, my mother and, uh, of course, Bird's Eye came out with all their packaged vegetables, which had no nutrients in them at all, and even I didn't like those. <laughs> so when did you go? But you were a meat eater back then. I was. Uh, we, in fact, uh, we had chickens on the farm. And, uh, you know, with word slaughter, but that's what we did, slaughter chickens. And But they were, they were organic, at least they were free-range and organic, all that. Organic, which... yeah, they were free-range, and, you know, we'd eat eggs, although I have always hated eggs. I could never stomach them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's funny. You, you and I have a different uh, different thing. <laughs> Usually my, I, I can um, relate to what somebody's saying, but I loved eggs. <laughs> I loved eggs. I loved vegetables. Disliked, uh, disliked the dead animals, especially cows. But anyway, so when did you start changing your food program? How long did you leave the family and then start being... Well, yeah, well, how did you go from disliking vegetables to raw? Let's let's find out about your journey here. Well, you know, it's kind of a, a fun journey when I look back because I really don't often look back uh-huh. to where I've where I've come from. Sure. But, uh, 
<clears throat> I was a, a competitive athlete in high school and my first year in college. And my diet consisted, especially in college, you know, now that I'm away from home and can eat whatever they're serving at the dining hall, it was a lot of pizza and pasta, Mountain Dew, um, <laughs> cream of wheat, and, uh, you know, not, uh, not your healthiest diet. No. Pretty, pretty bad stuff. And but then, you were still a meat eater, still? I was definitely still a meat eater, all through my 20s. Okay. It wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles, um, right around my 30th birthday, and uh, met a girl here who was a vegetarian, and that was a new concept to me, because I hadn't met any of those people in Vermont, those people. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and I thought it was a little strange, and uh, then we got jobs together. Uh, I was an actor. So got jobs at this vegan restaurant in West Hollywood where I ended up working for seven years and <clears throat> really got an education and met, you know, thousands of people that would share their stories with me. And uh, pretty quickly I decided to um, become a vegan hmm. after working at this restaurant and, you know, going through the training process, listening to my girlfriend at the time. And uh, she sold me on this. She said, you won't get old and you won't lose your hair if you go vegan. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, you know, I was an actor, and I was like, well, you know, all the men in my family are bald. I think I'll try it. I'll, I'll try it, you know. What can it hurt? Yeah. So uh, I became vegan, you know, for reasons of vanity. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm grateful for that because it's opened up so many other doors. And I've uh, been vegan now since 1998. So uh, Not that long. Yeah, well, almost you know, going on 10 years. For me, it seems like forever, And but uh, there are a lot of people out there that are 30, 40, 50 year, you know, vegetarians, and that's incredible. Absolutely. Um, were there any fears when you decided to do that, like your racing skills or your uh, stamina and endurance would go down? Well, you know, I had quit being an athlete at the age of uh, 19 or 20. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so 10 years had gone by with no sports at all. Mm-hmm. I had completely given up on that. And uh, there were a lot of concerns, um, my family and friends, you know, back in Vermont, and even here in Los Angeles, people were concerned that I was doing something that was unhealthy. Mm-hmm. That going vegan, I was somehow um, not getting the nutrition necessary to function as a, you know, healthy human being. Of course. And they did their best to try to convince me of that, even though none of them has a degree in nutrition or, you know, <laughs> physiology. They are all experts. So during this time, did you ever go home for Thanksgiving and stuff like that? Absolutely, yeah, many times. And what happened? <clears throat> well, it was always, you know, me getting lectured and me trying to, you know, fire back and and uh, eating lots of mashed potatoes with no butter in them and, you know, <laughs> still eating mostly processed carbohydrates, even as a vegan. Yeah. You know, my diet was tan. There was very little green or, you know... Uh, uh, the wonderful colors that, you know, vegetables come in. It was mostly tan brown and, and whites. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand that, that there are ver- uh, variations in being vegan, too. You can That's have it. a very strong junk food vegan program. Yeah, most do, I find. They do. Yeah, like the uh, vegan community that I hang out with here in Los Angeles, they think I'm a freak now that I'm raw and I eat vegetables. And, oh, my. Oh, my God. What about those vegan cakes and vegan cookies and vegan pastas and vegan macaroni and cheeses and vegan meat products and, you know, all this stuff that are the staples of their diet. Yeah. And uh, yet they run around telling everybody that they're so much healthier than everybody else. And it's really not true. Uh Uh-uh. 
No, no, and I used to go to a uh, vegetarian dining club in this area. I'm, I'm also in the L.A. area. Oh, great. And it blew me away because I went one time, and it was the last time, because I went there and everybody was drinking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they were bragging about how much they were drinking. I found out that, well, that's when I realized that a lot of people who change their food program, it's because of their uh, animal rights activism. It's not about themselves. Yeah. It's not about their health. Yeah. And I was I was amazed. I was like, well, if you do this for you, isn't that helping the animals? I mean, it starts from inside and goes out, yeah? Yeah. And like, you know, I go agree ahead. with you 100%. Uh, it's, people are willing to stand up and make a difference for animals, which I love and I, I support that. I think it's great. But why not stand up and make a difference for yourself? Yes. Because if you're not if you're not as powerful as you can be as a human being, how can you really impact your community, your family, your friends, the people you care about? How can you have the energy and the positivity that you need to impact them if you're sick and tired and not you know, living at your optimal best? Absolutely. Now, when you changed your food program, did you go do go through a detox at all? Oh, absolutely. It was it was a terrible detox. Tell us. We you have to tell us about this. People are. Uh, I'm on a couple of raw food boards, and that's one of the questions people say. I mean, no matter what happens, the question is: Is this detox? Is this detox? Is this? It's all detox. Yeah. If you're not living at your ultimate best, it's all detox. Yeah. Tell tell us about your detox. You got two minutes. Okay. (laughs) Um, I had been really ill uh, as a vegan towards the end of it. I was even a macrobiotic vegan, Uh which I thought was the healthiest thing on earth. But I was failing. I was sick. Something was really wrong with me. I didn't know what to do, uh, and someone told me to go raw. So when I did hit the detox, which included uh, being lightheaded all the time, being nauseous, losing all my muscle and all my fat, wow. uh, swimmy in the head, couldn't really focus or think straight, I had come from illness, so it really wasn't that different. But it lasted about four months of me just really struggling to get through every day. But I've been told by so many people to stick through it, stick through it, stick through it. You'll come to the other side. And I really believed in, uh, you know, what they told me, and I'm, thank God I did. But it was, it was really difficult. Illness for months. You know, it would change. The symptoms would change, but it was tough. And not everybody experiences that. I know some people that didn't have any detox symptoms at all. Yeah. Doing it. So why did you trust these people that they were telling you the truth? Because what I had come from wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Being macrobiotic vegan did not work, and I was willing to try anything. What, what do you mean by work? Well, I was really ill. Like, I feared for my life. Oh, really? That bad? What, what was the problem? Well, you know, I'm not one that uh, believes in conventional Western medicine, so I never went to the doctor. Right. But um, basically, I got to the point where I didn't want to put food in my mouth anymore because I was sick all day long. Oh, interesting. Hold on, hold on, hold on to that. We'll be back in a moment. (laughs) 
Hi, this is Revel. For more information on my seminars, play shops, and teleconferences, please go to my website, revelations.com. That's with two V's and two L's. There you can sign up for weekly revelations, purchase my books, Revolutionize Your Life in 30 Days, a self-empowering playbook, and or smoothies and smoothies for life. And contact me to speak for your school or organization. Your purchases do help keep this program on the air. My guest today is tower racer, marathoner, and all-around raw athlete, Tim Van Orden. And you can contact Tim through his website, runningraw.com. That's one word, running, R-U-N-N-I-N-G, raw, runningraw.com. It's a fantastic website, and uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. But we were just talking about detox, and off the air, Tim and I were talking about how, I don't know whether it's people are in denial or it just doesn't happen to them, but he said four months of detox, and uh, I'd like to get into this a bit more because uh, people are afraid. People, when they go into a detox, are afraid of detoxing. What do you you say about that, Tim? Well... I agree 100%, and people are afraid to admit that there can be a really lengthy, painful detox process. You know, people want to run around, you know, holding up the raw food flag, like, hey, look at us, we're perfect, there's nothing wrong with us, we live in a perfect world, and it's just not true. Now, I will never say that, you know, eating raw food is inferior to eating any other diet, because that's just not the case. It's my opinion all the research I've done is the healthiest way that a human being can eat. But, you know, 36 or 37 years of bad habits and your body, um, you know, when it finally wakes up and you start feeding it proper nutrition, it's going to resist and fight back and it's like a, a drug detox. It's an awful, or it can be, at least it was for me, it was an awful experience. But here's what, here's what kept me on point with it. The first month that I was raw. My illness went away. My appetite came back. I felt energy like I haven't had in, you know, 10, 15 years. Everything changed. My body and mind transformed. Everything just woke up. And I felt so good that I'm like, that's it. I'm a raw foodist. I've never felt like this in my adult life, and I want this all the time. Month two, still felt amazing, but the detox started to show up. And then months, you know, three, four, five, six... I was in full detox, but I remembered how good I felt months one and two. Mm-hmm. And I knew from you know everyone that I had talked to and all the books that I because I spent that time reading constantly. I read everything I could get my hands on, and mostly scientific literature. I read all the you know raw you know diet books and recipe books and whatnot, but I stuck mainly with scientific literature on physiology and human nutrition. And I believe that this was the best thing to do and I understood what the detox was and I just had to go through it. And no matter how hard it was, I had to push through. My life was worth it. Tim, do you, do you have any, I don't want to say theory, but I'll use the word theory mm-hmm. on why some people go through a detox sooner than others or heavier than others? I mean, I've heard of 20-year-olds going through some serious detox, whereas somebody in their 40s or 50s doesn't doesn't go through as much. Well, yeah, I've got a couple theories. One is that, you know, I hear I'm about to turn 40, but uh, my youth, even though I did have a lot of junk food, um, America was still a, a farm country in the 70s. You know, we were not an urbanized country like we are now, and we didn't have the, you know, processed new age, you know, 
better diet through chemistry mentality. Mm-hmm. So there was still a lot of hearty whole foods. They may not have been raw, they may not have been vegan, but they were hearty whole foods. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, someone who grew up in the 80s and 90s or 2000s uh, is experiencing a, a litany of chemicals that are just, you know, no animal on this planet has ever experienced it until the last, you know, couple decades. They are now. All the animals, yes, all the animals exactly. are experiencing them now. We are being subjected to a rate of, you know, chemical contamination that, uh, you know, has never existed before in history. And when your body is forming in your, you know, tens and teens and beyond, that's what your body is building. Those are the building blocks. Ah. Whereas if you grew up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, your DNA, your building blocks, your formative years were based on a more whole food approach. Even though it still wasn't perfect, it was a more whole food, natural approach. That's one of my theories. Mm-hmm. Number two is that... Tell you what, hold on to number two. We'll okay. be right back. Hi, this is Revel. We're back with Revelation celebrating your potential. Have those of you listening ever considered how doing something like this program can enhance your own business? If you'd like to be seen as an expert in your field, would like to create product to sell, draw people to your website who are already interested in you and what you do, and reach an international audience, creating your own podcast, internet broadcast, or web-based radio may be for you. You can do it at home as we do. If interested, Revelations in conjunction with my podcast expert will be holding four free one-hour teleclasses throughout the month of October to introduce you to this cutting-edge technology that even a non-techie like me can do. For more information, please go to mypodcastexpert.com. All one word, mypodcastexpert.com. Com. Looking to hear from you in the next few days, or actually the next few weeks. Um, I guess today is Tower Racer, Marathoner, all-around raw athlete, Tim Van Orden, and you can contact him through his website, runningraw.com. Uh, we were just talking in the last segment with Tim about theories about why people, some people detox, well, everybody detoxes differently, but some theories on why somebody will go into a very, very heavy one, whereas, and it's not age. Well, it is age-related in some cases. Tim, you are going on to theory two? Theory number two, and once again, this is just a theory, but it's mm-hmm. based on some evidence that's, you know, in the scientific literature. Sure. Um, it all comes down to how one stores fat, or should I say stores toxins in mm-hmm. fat. Um, one of the great mechanisms of the human body is the ability to store toxic substances, make them inert, in fat cells. You consume toxic matter, gets stored in your fat, is immobilized, and protects you. Uh, For instance, uh, when people do LSD, it gets stored in the fat, and then, you know, 10 years later, they lose the fat, that fat cell gets broken down, the LSD is released into the system, and they have a flashback. Mm. It's been known for, you know, many, many years, decades, that toxins can be stored in fat cells. Mm -hmm. Well, people store fat differently. And if you're somebody that's very good at storing fat, you know, you're probably not very excited about that, but you've been protecting yourself from a lot of toxic matters throughout your life. 
Whereas someone like myself, who's always been very lean and a very high metabolism, my body doesn't have the same mechanism for dealing with toxins. So those toxins are in my you know, cellular fluids, in my muscle tissue, in my bone tissue. And my theory is that those that don't have a great fat storing <clears throat> mechanism are going to experience a much greater detox because it's coming out of your actual you know, structure of your body. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone that can store fat very easily, chances are that their you know, fat cells are going to be broken down. It's going to go into the bloodstream, but it's going to be a more minimal detox because instead of the body breaking down its own structure, it's just breaking down fat cells. That's interesting. My body rejected everything. It's like, okay, I, I'm rejecting the muscle. I'm rejecting everything. I'm rejecting the organs. We're going to have to rebuild all of it from scratch. So basically you lost what sometimes are, some people call a false body, but it doesn't sound like that's what it was in this case. It was basically eliminating all the stuff that was keeping the muscles where they were, and then once that was all released, you had to start over again. Yeah, I had to rebuild. I lost, uh, in the first few months, I mean, I had very little body fat, but I lost a good 20, 25 pounds in the first two and a half months. That's a lot when you're already lean. When you're already a lean vegan, that's a lot of weight to you. And most of it was muscle that I lost. I mean, I looked like a, you know, someone who hasn't eaten in months. Did it scare you? Uh, It scared me, and it scared everybody in my, you know, community. They were all looking at me like, you're going to kill yourself. What are you doing? This is dangerous. Stop it now. Uh Uh-huh. How did you respond? Um, I believed, and I was committed, and uh, I made sure that I was consuming, you know, sufficient calories and... And once again, I talked to a lot of people that have been through a detox, and they're like, this is natural. Your body's just rejecting, you know, the bad stuff, and it's going to rebuild new stuff. Yeah, because if you really look at it, how can raw fruits, vegetables, seeds, nuts, and greens, how can that possibly be bad for you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my thing. It's like, how can this be bad for you? Did you do any, any colonics or anything at the time? Not initially, no. It wasn't uh, for about a year of being raw before I started doing colonics. Mm. Did that make a difference? You know, it did. But after being raw for a year, um, it didn't make as much of a difference as it might have you know, had I done it sooner. In fact, uh, the woman that administered my first colonic, she said to me, she's like, you know, how often do you do these? Uh, once a month? <laughs> I'm like, no, it's my first one. She's like, what? No, I poo every day, right? <laughs> yeah, she's like, you're... you're so clean. You're cleaner than people that I see once a week. <laughs> yeah, that's because I poo every day. I don't need to have some uh, tubes shoved up my tush. <laughs> yeah. Not just every day, but four or five times a day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, how do uh, other athletes... Tell, tell us what kind of athlete you are, basically. Well, I became an athlete um, in November of 2005. It's mm. a brand new thing. I'm going on two years. I'm coming up on two years of being an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all started because uh, I had been raw for a year in November of 2005. It, it had been a year. And, you know, all the people out there that told me that I was going to experience phenomenal energy and just, you know, off the charts energy. They kept saying energy, energy, energy. I, I'm an empirical person. I need science. I need, you know, is this real or am I just believing it because somebody said it? Mm-hmm. Or at the time, is this just, a, you know, too much cacao high that I'm going through? <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> So I undertook this journey to test, you know, is this energy real and how much is there? And one way that one can test energy is through athletics, especially Mm -hmm. running, 
where everybody, when you run, is measured on the same scale. You know, how fast can you cover a mile, 10 miles, 26 miles, whatever it is, everybody's an equal when it comes to that metric. Sure. So, okay, this is a great way to test my energy, especially at that time at the age of 37, um, you know, because I'm not a spring chicken, and as far as athletes are concerned, I'm way over the hill and should have retired years ago. Mm-hmm. So I started running. And in a very short period of time, I'd say a month and a half, I was able to run in excess of, you know, 20 miles a day. And that's not that's after not having done anything for 17 years. A month and I, a half. Yeah, I, I retired from athletics at 20, hadn't done anything for 17 years, sat on my butt as a photographer and a computer consultant and basically a computer guy, on my butt in front of the computer, you know, 15, 16 hours a day, and suddenly after a month and a half of running, I'm able to run in the mountains, you know, sometimes 24, 25 miles. Wow. You know, yeah. and that just blew me away. You know, this is not possible, but it, it was happening. Mm-hmm. So I created the Run and Raw project to document the process, to see what was possible, to film it, to interview people about what was going on, and interview other athletes, and you know, get their take, and coaches, and doctors, and scientists, and, and to see how far I could go with this. And ultimately, I came up with the goal of making the Olympic team at the age of forty, as a raw vegan, which. Never been done. <laughs> and how do other athletes respond when it, when you tell them what you eat? Well, uh, at first, they think I'm nuts. And, you know, they ridicule me and, you know, just humiliate me. In fact, there's this one tower racer beating me every time around the country. Um, and he doesn't beat me by much. He, you know, barely nips me. But uh, he says, well, I eat meat and I eat ice cream and I eat crap and I beat you. So ha, ha, ha. Like, yeah, but you're 10 years younger than me, and you've been training for 15 years. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that doesn't come into the equation, I think, when no. I try to prove a point. <laughs> yeah, you'd be a lot faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should. Yeah, have you told him that? Uh, I, you know, we've had that conversation, but it's funny because now that I've been doing this, the athletics, for two years, uh-huh. and have some pretty reputable results out there, especially this weekend, the race I did, um, people are really starting to ask a lot of questions and it's not that they're going raw so much as they're starting to eat a lot more fruits and veggies. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, not relying on the processed protein supplements that they're all downing more than they are, you know, food, in fact. Some people live on protein supplements. Yeah. And uh, without realizing how dangerous that is. But, yeah, it's really starting to have an effect, and people are getting curious and asking a lot of questions. Fantastic. Yeah, and even if they move 5, 10, 15% in this direction, that's phenomenal. Uh, very excited about that. Excellent. So what do you do about the fluid intake? Because I know a lot of them do, quote-unquote, electrolyte drinks. Do you yeah. just drink water, or is there something special you do? Well, you know, if you look at the um, sports physiology data out there, um, they've got you know certain metrics about how much salt, or sodium, I should say, should be consumed after exercise. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot. But uh, I've done experiments on myself, and there's a a condition called hyponatremia, which is basically when you sweat and don't replace your sodium because you lose a lot of sodium through sweat. Mm -hmm. And if you drink, say, 64 ounces of water after intense exercise, what you've done is diluted the sodium in your bloodstream and in your cellular fluids. 
so that the potassium-sodium balance is out of whack, and you can die from it. Hyponatremia is deadly. Okay. So it's very, you know, athletes have to drink an electrolyte drink mm-hmm. unless they're raw. Uh-oh. Because there is no processed salts. In fact, very little sodium at all in my diet. I don't even do sea salt. Okay. And what I've discovered is that if you're not consuming massive amounts of salt like we are in America, you're not sweating massive amounts of salt. My sweat is not that salty at all. I'm losing very little sodium through sweat because I'm not consuming it. And it's just, it's amazing how the the American mindset is, well, if you're losing sweat, you have to replace it. No, no, no. Your body didn't want it in the first place. That's why it's getting rid of it. Yeah, I once read that sweat is actually the same chemical makeup as urine. Yeah. It's very similar. There's a lot of urea in sweat. Uh-huh. So, so it's basically, basically it's, it's a toxin that needs to be released anyway unless you're clean. Yeah, your body doesn't want it. So I don't do any electrolyte drinks. I do coconut water. Okay. Coconut water is my quote-unquote electrolyte drink. And if you look at the can or bottle, whatever, or the coconut, um, there's um, very little sodium in it. There's sodium in there in a, a nice balance with potassium, magnesium, and whatnot, the electrolytes that are important. Uh, but it's not a lot. I'll do dulse, uh, which is a, a seaweed that is my favorite from mm-hmm. time to time, but I don't do that much. And if you look at the you know little bags that you get at the, the store, there's not a lot of sodium in there. Yes, there is sodium, but it's not very much. Mm-hmm. And most of the fluid that I consume comes in the form of fresh fruit. I really don't even drink that much water. Okay, you're the second, you're the second athlete who said that. Um, yeah, bananas, answer- oranges, plums. Peaches, juicy fruits, that's where my water comes from. So I've, introdu- I've uh, in- interviewed Ruth Heydrich, mm-hmm. and she said the same thing. She says, I don't drink water. She said, she said basically she doesn't drink any, as, as my understanding of my memory is correct. And I find that interesting for an athlete. But I think I, it has to do with the sodium thing, doesn't it? It has a lot to do with the sodium, and it also has a lot to do with the fact that most people eat dead, dried-out foods. Yeah, And, uh, you know, for every gram of carbohydrate that you eat, the body requires two grams of water to metabolize it. Hmm. People don't realize this, but when you, you know, consume that pasta meal before, you know, the night before race, which is what most athletes do, they carbo-load before race. Right. Okay, you've now had 80 grams of carbohydrates. Your body needs 160 grams of water just to balance it out and keep you from getting dehydrated and metabolize it. 160 grams of water is a lot of water. Yeah. And people seldom eat, drink that with their meal. But when you're eating fresh fruit, there is, like a banana, for instance, is about 90% water. An orange is 95% water. So the carbohydrate water balance in fresh fruit is so heavily weighed towards the water, but it's clean water. It's structured water. It's plant water, just like the water that exists inside your cells. You know, it's living water. Yeah. We'll be right back. It's not water that's gone through a filter, you know, and and this and that. Absolutely. Okay. We'll, We'll be right back. Don't go away.
Hi, this is Revel. You're listening to Revelations, celebrating your potential. If you're listening to this via iTunes, you can find out more about this program and my other podcast by going to Revel.com. That's with two V's and two L's. My guest today is tower racer, marathoner, and all-around raw athlete, Tim Van Orden. You can contact Tim through his website, runningraw.com. So before the last segment, I was going to, uh, I, I told Tim I wanted to talk about him and his accomplishments, and the information was so fabulous, I looked at the clock and I only had one minute left, so we've got a few minutes here. Tim, what is tower racing? And you just did one yesterday, and you told me, you told me it, was, it was fantastic. Tell us about it, please. Uh, tower racing, uh, also known as stair climbing or skyscraper racing or urban marathons, sometimes people refer to them as. You run up the stairwell of very tall buildings. You race with, these are big races too, thousands of runners will do these races, not all at the same time, and they send people off one every couple seconds. But um, the race I did this weekend was the U.S. Bank Tower in Los Angeles, which is the tallest building west of Chicago. It's 75 stories and 1,500 steps straight up. Yikes. Yeah, and I, I started doing this uh, last year. In fact, the U.S. Bank Tower was my first tower race last year because I had a knee injury, uh-huh. so I couldn't run. And, you know, my mind is freaking out because, like, I, I'm a runner. I need to be running. I need to be doing something. I need to be racing. And, and someone said, well, well, what about this tower thing? And it only lasts for, you know, 15 minutes, and uh, it's uphill, which doesn't hurt your knee. It's going up. It doesn't hurt. It's only going down or flat that hurts. Uh-huh. So I jumped in the race. Uh, just to, okay, I'll see, I'll just walk up the stairs. Well, I ended up running up the stairs and got third place and got hooked. Third, third place on your first one. On <laughs> my first one, and it was the most brutal experience of my life. I've never, again, experienced that much pain, but I, I was hooked anyways. I loved it because the challenge was just so immense. And since I've done the uh, Sears Tower, the Empire State Building, 555 California up in San Francisco... And I just did um, the uh, U.S. Bank Tower again this weekend where I won. Um, and I beat out the best stair climber in the country uh, from Chicago. He won the Sears Tower last year and has been winning races around the country, Sears Tower being the tallest building in North America, mm-hmm. uh, third tallest in the world. So um, that, that's a brutal race, 103 floors. But, yeah, I ended up winning this weekend in a phenomenal time and uh, excited for bigger and better things. Congratulations. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. That is exciting for a raw athlete. Any yeah. athlete, actually, but to be able to say, I'm raw and this is what's happening. And, and at your age, how long has this other guy been running? Uh, he's been, you know, competing for years, and he's also a spin instructor. That's his job. So he's uh-huh. basically, you know, pumping those thighs all day long in spin class. <laughs> and wow. uh, not only am I a raw vegan athlete, but I don't do supplements. I don't do vitamins. I don't do superfoods. I don't. It's just regular, normal fruits and vegetables that we've all seen, you know, throughout our entire lives that anybody can get at any supermarket. Do you, you know, dehydrate? Do organic, you... but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, I know you do uh, the farmers market a lot, but that was a good question. Uh, on the, I'm glad you brought that up. How? What, what do you think for people like? I had somebody on the show, and he said it would be better to do supplements than grocery store produce. I take it you don't agree with that. Well, um, if you really break down what a supplement is, it is the most processed 
food, and I'm, I'm throwing my fingers up in quotes when I say food because it's not really a food. Yeah. The most highly processed food that one can put in their body. Well, let me clarify. He said superfoods. Okay, superfoods. I was um, I imagine goji berries, cacao, and all that. Goji berries, cacao. Maca. Maca. Um, if you've got $100,000 a year just to spend on food, <laughs> you know, and you're independently wealthy or have, you know, a huge shoe sponsor like Nike, you know, putting all your bills, um, I think those superfoods, once again, fingers up in quotes, mm-hmm. can be eaten in moderation, but they should definitely not be staples of your diet. Um, you know, it's we live in America where if it's not it's not better. So if it doesn't have the most antioxidants ever, you know, concentrated into one thing, it must not be very good for us. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe your body doesn't want the highest level of antioxidants ever assembled into a, you know, a berry. Maybe just a good balance is much better than just eating 20 things that are so rich in antioxidants and phytonutrients and phytochemicals and this, that. Maybe that's more than the body can handle. Maybe that's too concentrated. Maybe maybe there's actually a negative effect of eating food that that's, that's that rich in vitamin and mineral content. You can overdose on vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients. Hmm. Okay. So I'm I'm all about balance, and I'm all about an accessible diet that anybody of any income level can eat. You know, I think you and I need to do this again really soon. Yeah. Our time is up. (laughs) (laughs) Our time is up, but you've got some fantastic information, and uh, I really want to hear more about it. Uh, Are you going to have a book out on raw athleticism anytime soon, Tim? I have been writing that book for the past year. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. I want a copy. All right. Thank you for being with us. Again, check out Tim's website, rawrunning.com. I want to thank everybody for listening. If you would like to advertise on or sponsor this program, please contact me at revel at celebratingyourpotential.com. That's revel with two V's and two L's. My engineer is Bo Astrup. I'm Revel Revity saying, remember to revel in life and always play with your food. Bye for now. Mm